Hello, welcome to the Dive In Movie Cast, a film podcast where two unqualified critics give their opinions and try and differentiate themselves from every other podcast out there. I was out of breath when I started that. <laughs> My name is Hayden. And I'm Wesley. And this week, we're gonna be we're gonna be giving a phone call to an old friend from the eighties. We're gonna be going back. Yep. Well, you know it. We're not going back. It's a new movie. There's a new Ghostbusters movie out this weekend. Yeah. Ghostbusters Afterlife. Um, we saw it last night. Had a great time. We're mm-hmm. gonna get all into that. Yeah. Do you want to talk general impressions first, or do you want to talk some trailers and then get into the busting? We'll we'll talk some trailers <laughs> first, and then uh, we'll talk about some busting that makes me feel good. Yeah. <laughs> Damn. I can't believe that's still in the song. Yeah. It's gotta be. Um, yeah. All right. We gotta talk Spider Man. Mm-hmm. We talked. So. We talked the first trailer a couple months ago. I only feel obligated to talk about this trailer because it was such a huge deal on the internet. Yeah, it, it, it like the internet exploded when this came out. What did you think of the new Spider-Man No Way Home trailer? So hype. So hype. I love it. Like two of my favorite characters from Marvel Phase 4 um is uh Spider-Man and um Doctor Strange. Yeah. Two of my favorite characters. And so having them both in the movie amazing getting to see this trailer getting to see the actual villains a way better version of uh electro he looks great he looks fantastic um getting to see all the other villains are gonna be there sandman uh the lizard they're all back they're all back this trailer shows five of them not six yeah wonder who the six is gonna be oh um we'll see so uh it's it's crazy because like i was not ready for this trailer my body was not ready i saw the entire trailer it blew me away like doc ock just being there chilling look it seems he's getting new tech for his octopus arms it looks people have been uh, theorizing he's getting the stark nanotech for his octopus arms it does look like that yeah so that's fucking crazy um i don't know man it, it just makes me so excited yeah like i cannot wait I feel like the first trailer was really showing like how this movie is getting set in motion, mm-hmm. and it's all about well, Peter wants people to forget that he's Spider-Man, so he goes and he does the spell. And most of the trailer is about that. Yeah, and it doesn't really, you know, it gives you a little glimpse of Doc Ock at the ending, but that's it. This trailer was all about the villains, and it's less about how, and it's more about what is happening. Yeah, exactly. And it, it shows you all the villains. You get a clear look at them all. I think it's it's stupid to think that we're not going to get Toby and Andrew at this point. Oh, of course we are. Marvel's just being like, ha-ha, you don't get to see him yet. Not yet. Just it, wait for it. I'm glad. No, I'm seriously really glad that they haven't shown Andrew and Toby in the marketing because I feel like it would mm-hmm. really take away from that big reveal in theaters, you know, to be like, look, this is coming anyways. Just because you guys know about it, we're going to show you it. Yeah. We know about it. It's, it's obviously going to happen. If it doesn't happen... Why would you fail this like this, Marvel? Yeah, no, it's going to happen. It's obvious. So I am super excited for it. And, like, I just really need a pizza timeline. And that's, <laughs> all, that's all I need. I just need Toby Maguire to come in and just be like, pizza time. Right, who pizza. am I? Are you sure you want to know? Pizza time. Just start. <laughs> I literally, I just want like them all to go to Aunt May's house and Aunt May to be like, oh, I, I didn't cook anything. Uh, I'll just order us pizza. And then someone McGregor goes, yes, pizza time. <laughs> it would be so unnatural, but it'd be, it'd be <laughs> awesome. Um, but I think this trailer was really cool. I think yeah. um, Willem Dafoe is back. That's just the mm-hmm. most recognizable voice ever. Um, and I, I think at the ending, when you see 
MJ falling off that building. Yeah. I think Andrew is going to save her. You think so? I think that'd be cool. I don't know if that's actually going to happen, but I think that would actually be really, really cool. That would be very cool, but I doubt it. Major fan service. That's major fan service, and also... Actually, you know what? It would make a lot of sense, because he is diving straight for her and not shooting the web. I know. He's <laughs> Andrew gonna... learned. Yeah, he's like, last time I shot the web, didn't go very well. Uh, fucking Tom Holland's gonna go, about to go swip, and then uh, Andrew's gonna be like, no, get her. Yeah. Like, bro, don't do that. I know, I know what happens when you do that. Man, I'm just blown away at the fact that we are maybe like, how long is it? It's not even a month. A couple weeks away. Like three weeks away from a new Spider-Man movie. I'm getting tickets for opening night. Yes. I, I can't fucking wait. It's going to be it's gonna be such a great feeling to be packed in a theater with people watching a new Spider-Man movie. I wish I could get tickets for opening night, but I will be in New York on opening night. I could go see. <gasps> do it. Oh yeah, the revelations hitting you hard. Go right now. see Spider Man in New York City on opening night. That'd be insane. I mean, my what I, an experience! I think my family would hate me because they'd be like, "We're on vacation, Wesley. Why are you going to see a movie?" Because like, I have to. When you're in New York, go see Spider Man at the Alamo Draft House Theater. Imagine. I've heard great things about that theater. Just a little I recommendation. Might I might actually do it. We'll see. You we'll could see. have a beer in a theater watching Spider-Man. It'd be unreal. Uh-huh. Yeah, so everybody who's in the States or anybody who lives where you can have beer at movie theaters is listening to us like, why is this such a big thing? We're jealous. We cannot. No. I, I don't know why. I think we, like only Nova Scotia is the only place in Canada that can't have beer in movie theaters. Nova, Nova Scotia is stupid. Lame. Lame. But yeah, I think this was a solid trailer. I think yeah. it, it's, uh, it's a cool look at what we're, what we're going to get, and I'm glad it didn't show too much. It just... Set set some things up. Yeah, exactly. Do you want to talk really quick about the Don't Look Up trailer? Yes, yes. Um, Don't Look Up, new a new movie. We've, it's got a honestly stacked cast. Leonardo DiCaprio, Jennifer Lawrence, Jonah Hill, I believe Meryl Streep. Yep. Timothy Chalamet, Kid Cudi, Ariana Grande. Like goes on and on. It's crazy cast. Um, and it. I mean, if you've seen the trailer, you know what this movie's about. It's about these scientists who. Uh, predict that a comet is coming straight for Earth, um, and it's crazy. Like it looks so cool. I I think it's going to be an anxiety filled movie, but also I I like the contrast that I'm seeing in the trailer of like um, the scientists being like, no, seriously, this is coming for Earth, and all these other characters being like, yeah, whatever. That's pretty realistic to how I think people would react to that. Yeah, I I agree. I don't understand why. Um, honestly, if a scientist came up to me and was like, hey, an asteroid's gonna hit Earth, I'd be like, fuck. Yeah. Like, it's I all would these, be concerned. It's, it's all these ignorant rich people who just want to keep getting rich sort of thing. Yeah, they're just like, ah, it's, it's fine, I got money. So this movie is a comedy, and, like, the trailer definitely kind of shows that, but, like, it's mm-hmm. labeled on, like, online as a full-on comedy. Yeah. So I'm, I'm interested to see its approach to it, because it seems pretty funny. There's a couple gags throughout that trailer, like, with Jonah Hill, and he's like, we're gonna sit and assess and then he's like you digest the assess like it's just yeah it's funny um i think this is gonna be cool i liked adam mckay's previous movies mm-hmm. and how do you go wrong with a cast this huge yeah exactly leo is playing out of type he's never really d- I, don't, mm-hmm. I haven't seen a leo movie like this neither have i so i think this will be this will be really cool yeah i agree i'm, I'm excited for it interesting take on like a disaster movie mm-hmm. but kind of making it less about like the 
the disaster and people reacting to that and more about like the ignorance of people's lack of desire of wanting to react to that. Yeah, no, I, it looks very cool and I'm very excited. Um, it, it just looks like a fun time, mm-hmm. even though it sounds like a very stressful movie. It does look like a fun time. Right. That's exactly how I feel about it. I'm looking forward to checking this out. People mm-hmm. are talking about it in the awards contending and I'm like, yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> it's like, it's a maybe, comedy. Maybe it is that good. Who knows? We'll see. I think they might, recognize it if uh, if they're I don't know if it aligns with what they're going for but I I have never really seen the Academy Awards nominate a comedy. Yeah, true. Maybe they have though. They're just kind of snobby. Mhm. Um so you watched Oh yeah. Tell me about it. I haven't seen it yet. Cowboy so, Bebop. Yeah, I watched the first episode of the live action Cowboy Bebop show. I have watched the entirety of the an- the uh, animated Cowboy Bebop about twice now. I love that show. Um, so I watched the first episode. I have not finished it, but uh, through from what I understand, from what I'm seeing in the first episode, is they are nailing. Here's what I'll say what, that they're nailing. They're nailing the art style. They're nailing the dialogue, or somewhat. They're doing a pretty good job with the dialogue. It feels like the classic Cowboy Bebop kind of dialogue. Um, the, fight, the fight sequences, doing pretty good on that too. The heart of the entire show missing. There's no heart to this show, and that's that's my biggest issue with it. You mean in the sense where it kind of just feels like lifeless? Yeah. So in the animated cowboy cowboy bebop, um, the heart of the of the animated show is that you are watching this down on his luck, uh, has nothing else to do bounty hunter, um, just like casually walk his way through these bounties like he's got guns pointed to his head and he's just there with uh headphones on listening to music uh, smoking a cigarette or whatever he doesn't really care um he's kind of got this no bullshit just or not no bullshit um he's kind of got this relaxed vibe to him as he is being a bounty hunter um with this shady past to him uh that is our main character spike along with an another an a, a what's the word I'm looking for here other care we'll just go with other characters um that just brings such variety to the table jet one of the other characters he's a hard ass ex cop um who's gone to bounty hunting um and he's more he's like the dad of the group almost uh, like older and then you've got um I can't remember her name but there's a girl in it and she is more of like the younger hot shot bounty hunter it's just a cool ca- cast of characters and from what i'm seeing right off the bat um is that's just not there like spike isn't the same spike we know from the animated show uh don't get me wrong the actor i can't remember his name at the moment john cho i'm thank you big fan of him yeah he is a good actor and he does a good job in it it just doesn't have that same i don't know doesn't have that same feel to it uh it doesn't have that same magic that the animated show encapsulates now it it is like visually very cool i did like it a lot it does have some cool camera angles and stuff it's just the heart of it is kind of gone and i've also heard that the dialogue isn't actually that good as you get along as you get going it kind of gets worse um which is upsetting how many episodes did you see I, I've only watched the first one. Okay. Um, but based off the first one, uh, it doesn't look that great, mm. sadly. Just watched the anime. Yeah, I highly recommend that if anyone is like interested in seeing the live action, don't watch it. Just watch the anime. It's really good. 
I have not seen either. Um, was really interested in watching this show for it, mm-hmm. just because I'm a big fan of John Cho, as I mentioned. And I thought it looked cool, and I don't know. It's kind of my bias. I just prefer live-action stuff. Mm. But I do love animation, and I will watch the anime, especially because it's only 30 episodes or something like that. Yeah, it's it's not very long. And I and also, like, I mean, I still recommend checking out at least the first episode and seeing how you feel. I will probably continue with it just because I'm interested to see how it goes. Mm. Um, but I don't know how long I'll stick with it. We'll see. Yeah. Um, what is Cowboy Bebop about? Just like Cowboy the Bebop. kind of general mm-hmm. plot line. It's about, um, so Spike is our main character. Him and Jet are these bounty hunters uh, who fly across the galaxy um, and collect bounties for people. So it's set in this kind of like, you know, in the 80s when they thought the future, it's like a steampunky future kind of setting. Right. Um, uh, it's it's a really cool uh, universe they're playing in, uh, honestly. I, I really enjoy it. Um, but yeah, they're just these bounty hunters who are traveling across the world, um, or the galaxy, uh, hunting down these bounties. And, I mean, each character's got their own thing going on, um, and Spike is kind of our main character, and he has got this whole backstory, uh, going on with him. Uh, it's, it's just a very cool, almost like, it's kind of got that, with with it being called Cowboy Bebop, it definitely has that those cowboy vibes to it, where it's okay. like like lone, space western. Yeah, space western, kind of like a uh, lone man traveling through this cosmos on his own, f- hunting these bounties down. Right. Um, and I think that's kind of what the show is missing. It's missing that kind of like gritty, uh, more subdued western style to it. Right. And it's more colorful and lively, which gotcha. is not a horrible thing but it doesn't feel like the cowboy bebop that i know and love damn man netflix is out here they just cannot adapt anime well well it's just it's hard to adapt anime because you can do so much like 2d animation going to 3d animation first off so oftentimes does not work there's this Mm. show and it's been a there's been multiple movies of it uh this anime called lupon the third um, and it, he's essentially like a goofy James Bond kind of guy. Um, and the I've watched a couple of the animated movies, and they're really funny, and they're pretty good. Um, but they just recently made a live action, or not a live action, but a 3D animated version of it, and it just doesn't look as good. There's something missing about it. Um, I could be wrong. I haven't watched it yet, but... Uh, it's just like there's some magic to 2D animation and there's some magic to anime and all this stuff. And even though a lot of these things were made a long time ago, they still hold up today because, I mean, it's it's so it's such good quality. And like even the just the feel of it really is is what is missing. And so I I would recommend checking out the first couple episodes, but I don't I don't uh, advocate that it's great. Right. Are you going to keep watching? Are you kind of Yeah, like- I think I'll keep watching for a bit and see if it keeps my interest. Uh, but who knows how long I'll stay on for. Right. Well, I'll check it out. Mm-hmm. Um, I was watching really quick. I do want to get into Ghostbusters, but I wanted to mention Wheel of Time. Yes. Uh, which yes. the first three episodes released on Amazon Prime. Uh, my dad is the biggest Wheel of Time fan ever. Um, he has read all the books. He loves them. He's loved them for, for decades now. And he had been hyping the show out for me. So I can't wait for it to come out. It's going to be great. We're going to get candy. We're going to get popcorn, pizza. We're going to sit down and watch it. 
Nice. So we did. Uh, we gathered around. We watched all three of the first episodes. And I'll say, I really liked it. I, mm-hmm. I do have flaws with it, mainly that it doesn't feel very dirty. And when I say that, I mean like dirty. A, a medieval show like that. It's very clean for a medieval show. It feels very high budget, but like kind of like the costume designers were kind of just like, okay, we got what we need. We're good. You know, yeah. like they didn't. They didn't rough anyone up. Nobody looks like of the time. They kind of look like people dressed of the time. Mm. That's my only big criticism. The rest of it, I think, is really effective fantasy. Um, cool, you know, people on a journey in, set in this really interesting world that I'm already intrigued to learn more about. Mm-hmm. I've heard people's big criticism with the show, as of the first three episodes, is that it's like rushing through big things from the book. That's going to happen, especially yeah. when you have 14 books that you're trying to adapt into an eight-season TV series. Yep. And so, like, they're going to have to condense stuff. As somebody who hasn't read the books, I loved it. Well, mm-hmm. I wouldn't say I loved it, but I really liked it. And uh, so did my dad. He said it was kind of everything he was hoping it would be, and they had to change things, but he's fine with what they changed, right? Yeah. I think everybody should check it out. I want it to do well because I think we need a new Game of Thrones. You know, we need this mm-hmm. new fantasy show that everybody's talking about and I haven't really heard many people talking about it at all and that's kind of bumming me out because I don't want it to get cancelled even though it's already confirmed for season 2 but I would like to see more of it I definitely want to check it out it it does look really cool and um, as somebody who never watched Game of Thrones I would love to check out a medieval TV show such as that Thrones is so good I wish I could recommend it but the ending is awful I just won't watch it because the ending's awful and it's so long. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't have the time to pour my heart and soul into that. Yeah. No, but I just wanted to mention it because it's, mm. it's, it's really worth watching. If you like fantasy and you're into all that stuff, it's got a pretty cool world for you to sink your teeth into that I yeah. think is only going to continue to expand and grow mm-hmm. more intriguing week after week. But on that note, mm-hmm. let's, uh, let's get into it. Ghostbusters. Who are we going to call? We are going to call... The Ghostbusters. <laughs> so anticlimactic. He's super anticlimactic. <laughs> okay. What did you think of Ghostbusters Afterlife? Just off the bat, let's kind of off the give bat, general impressions. General impressions. No spo- uh, no spoilers right here. Um, I loved this movie. I The child inside of me that sat in my parents' basement and watched Ghostbusters for the first time with my father leapt out of my soul for this movie. Like... There were so many great references to the old Ghostbusters movies, so many amazing callbacks, um, such just nostalgia built into this movie in a way that wasn't overpowering or overbearing. And uh, yes, it's a bit fan servicey, but um, as a Ghostbusters lover and fan, I can't complain. Mm-hmm. So I really had a great time with it. The cast was phenomenal. Uh, the story is really fun and heartfelt. Um, yeah, like I, I just really enjoyed this movie. What about you? I did too. Mm-hmm. I think that this was a perfect reintroduction to this world that yeah. actually worked. They tried to reintroduce mm-hmm. us to this world in 2016. We'll maybe talk a little bit about that movie later. Yeah. I don't like it. That's mm-hmm. just me. So... When we got the trailer for this movie, I didn't have any crazy high hopes because like, they just tried this like three years ago. didn't mm-hmm. work. But I had hopes because this is directed by Jason Reitman, who is the son of the original uh, Ghostbusters movies, Ivan Reitman. He, yeah. direct, he directed the first and second. And so I was like, there's no way that the son of 
the guy who directed the original movies is going to completely butcher it. You know, like how much worse can it get for me mm. after that last one? Uh, I, I had a blast with it. Yeah. I feel like it is, we'll get into the fan service, the aspects of it later on. Yes, it's kind of overbearing with the fan service, but in a sweet way, a way mm. that works. It's overwhelming. And I'm like, okay, that was forced, but it made me smile, you know? Yeah. So I had a really good time with Ghostbusters just off the bat. And I think everybody should check it out. Mm-hmm. Highly recommend. Like, if you have seen the original Ghostbusters and you love them, uh, or even if you've just seen them, you will love this movie. It it has the same heart and soul feeling that the original Ghostbusters had, along with so many callbacks and throwbacks to the original Ghostbusters. Um, and yeah, like you were saying, it is quite overbearing with its fan service, but yeah, it's like shoving it all down your throat. But oh yeah, but in a good way. In a good way. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, like our friend Braden had not seen, he he still hasn't seen Ghostbusters 1 or 2 or even the 2016 one. So he was just like, I like Finn Wolfhard. I'll go see him in a movie. Yeah. Um, and he joined and he had a blast with it and he's very unfamiliar with this world. Mm-hmm. So it works for new viewers too, in my, in my opinion. Yeah. No, definitely. And like, I think also too, it's, I, I, I feel for the, the people like me who watch these movies with their kids and are now like adults, or let's say um, some people who may be a little younger than I am and maybe have just recently watched the old ones and then watched this one, it's, it feels so amazing because you you feel like, um, and this isn't, spo- I'm not getting into spoilers or anything, but you feel like Paul Rudd's character in a way where uh, he does remember the old Ghostbusters. Um, and that kind of thing. And so he's like, oh, yeah, the old Ghostbusters. They're so cool. Look at videos of it on YouTube, stuff like that. Um, so it, it it just feels like the child in me grew up and then somebody was like, hey, check out this cool uh, car I found. They pulled the sheet off and they're like, the Ecto-1. And I'm like, this is such a cool car. And they're like, huh? And I'm like, you don't know this car? Like, I yeah. feel like that. You feel like Paul Rudd's character, yeah. Exactly. So uh, it, the movie is just fantastic and phenomenal. And I highly recommend it to all the Ghostbuster fans out there if you haven't seen it yet. Mm-hmm. I mean, especially, like, I, I just mentioned this, but I think there is something really beautiful about Jason Reitman directing, directing this. And yeah. Com- it coming full circle with something that his dad did so long ago. And for him to take it and make it feel fresh and new again while still honoring and really respecting and just paying homage to what his dad did I was, in the 80s. I was watching an interview, and they were talking about how um, like when he was a child, he was running around on that set. Yeah, every day. The original Ghostbusters set, he was there. And so like to come back and redo it and understand where the heart of these films come from and put that into this one, so good. Yeah. So it, good. It functions like directorially, like a familial passing of the torch in the same way that the movie does. Yeah. It's his father passing the movie on to him to direct a new one mm-hmm. in the same sense that this is a new group of Ghostbusters, the grandkids of, of Spengler, you know? Yeah, exactly. I think it's just a very, very sweet, nostalgic trip that if anybody grew up with Ghostbusters or even kind of likes Ghostbusters, mm-hmm. will probably have a blast with this. Yeah, exactly. It's not perfect. We'll get into all that, but mm-hmm. it's worth checking out. Yeah, I, I highly recommend. And so, like, one thing I just wanted to talk about is a film justifying its its existence into this franchise. Mm-hmm. This does that. Yes. The 2016 one 
what do you think of it? So here's what I here's my two cents on the whole thing. Um, this Ghostbusters, Ghostbusters Afterlife, does it properly because it is in the same universe as the first Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters 2016 tried to remake the first Ghostbusters yeah, it was with a f- full reboot, an SNL cast, and it didn't work because. They neglected the fact that there was a Ghostbusters already. Mm-hmm. And on top of that, it, it doesn't have the same feel as the original Ghostbusters. You can't just... That's like mm. that's like if I... Let's say I took the first Star Wars movie, the very first Star Wars movie. I remake it now. Whole new cast, whole new everything. I don't want it. Get no it away from me. No one wants that. Not Get rid a of single it. person on planet Earth wants that. doesn't matter if... It, it, I'm going to say this right now. It does not matter if the cast is completely female. That does not change it. I'm not saying that that is the reason why this is bad. I'm saying it's bad because it does not acknowledge where it came from in the first place. And it's a two-hour SNL skit. Exactly. That's my big issue with that. I don't find that movie funny. No, because they're all just trying to make jokes, and they don't hear the audience laugh, and they're like, huh, wow, that's what it's like to actually make real funny comedy. Yeah, and everybody gets into, oh, you hate the 2016 Ghostbusters. Because it's, Cause it's all female. Women. No, no. Because no. this movie does women Ghostbusters, Amazingly, and it's great. It's perfectly, awesome. Perfectly, fantastically. Yeah. And um, the 2016 one just, it's bad, period. So, and, oh, and don't even get me started. Don't even get me started about the Chris Hemsworth. Um, I always <laughs> complain. I'm like, oh, he's just there for eye candy and to be a big dum-dum. Everyone's like, oh, it's the same thing for Sigourney Weaver in the original Ghostbusters. I'm like, no, because in the new Ghostbusters, uh, uh, in 2016 Ghostbusters, he Chris Hemsworth is literally just there for eye candy, and he's a big dum-dum, and then he gets possessed, and he's not even his character anymore, and he just runs around. Same thing happens to Gurney Weaver, sure, but at least she is in more of the movie, actually has real lines, is a real person. She's a character, yeah. Is a actual character instead of just a dude who walks in off the street and is like, I have two brain cells that can be your uh, front desk person. Yeah. Reception person. <laughs> uh, but that's just the whole thing that I just wanted to bring up is like, especially so soon, after they just tried to bring life back into Ghostbusters and they mm-hmm. fail pretty miserably. It's like a lot of people are hesitant right now to sink their teeth into this movie, to, to trust. They're like, oh, it's only been like four or five years. Should I should I go for it? Yeah, go for it. Oh, this is, of course. This is the Ghostbusters movie you want. Yeah, 100%. I have a really funny story really quick before we continue. Mm-hmm. I bought tickets last Wednesday to go see this movie. It was being labeled as an advanced fan screening in IMAX. I was like, all right, we're going. Done. Two days before the movie comes out, easy, let's go. Uh, get to the theater. And they are like, yeah, Sony just didn't send us the movie. We just don't have Ghostbusters for you. And the whole peop- there were so many people there in their Ghostbusters costumes. It was like a diehard fans show. Yeah. Everyone was there in, in their Ghostbusters costumes with their proton packs. And they had already gotten their popcorn. And they got like the special Ghostbusters tubs and everything. They get into the theater. Movie's not playing tonight. Come back tomorrow. So upset. Oh, it was brutal, man. That is brutal, especially with people who, like, dressed up and everything. Yeah, there was one guy who was really upset. And, like, rightfully so. Yeah. But he was really upset. He was, like, talking about, like, he's waited 35 years for this, and he feels betrayed. And I he was, like, why. really emotional. And I feel for you, man. I, I really do. Mm-hmm. That that sucks. And it was, a, it was rough, but we got uh, two free movie tickets each. 
There you go. To and, see anything. And you used them on this movie, didn't you? Yeah, I have I have one more. I'm going to use that for Spider-Man. Nice. That's that. I'm out here getting the deals. Yeah. But uh no, I, I used <laughs> one on Ghostbusters and we saw it in AVX and it was it was just a great time. Yeah. High quality. All right. So I also want to talk about McKenna Grace. Yeah, so this is we're going to dive into a bit more spoilery stuff here. So this is your spoiler warning. We've we've said our two cents about the 2016 movie. Now we get into the good one. Yes, and we gave our opinions on this new one. And so if you've listened this far and you haven't seen the movie, we liked it. Go watch it. Come back. Listen to the rest of this. Yeah. This movie follows the grandchildren of Egon Spengler, played by Harold Ramis, so so wonderfully in the original Ghostbusters movies. Mm-hmm. And he's kind of it's he moved to the small town. Secluded himself from life, mm-hmm. shut shut himself away from being a Ghostbuster, and uh, lives lived alone on this farm. And then he dies. Yeah. And so, it is his grandchildren and his his daughter, and they move in there because they are they're struggling with money, and they're trying to f- live in this place that is very not even very cheap. It's free. They can yeah. just live there. Mm-hmm. And so it kind of you follow the grandchildren's uh, escapades as they meet new friends and they kind of unravel what's going on in this town and Spang- the reason Spengler did all this. And so that leads me into the fact that I feel like these grandchildren are so perfectly cast. And in particular, McKenna Grace. Mm-hmm. McKenna Grace embodies Harold Nails Ramis it. so well. She she feels like this, her own person, obviously, because she is, but she has all the quirk and all the same energy that Harold Ramis brought to Egon Spengler in the original movies. Yes. And that, that deadpan delivery of of jokes that aren't funny mm-hmm. and just the general vibe that her character brings. I feel like it, it perfectly paid homage to him and respected what he did. Yeah. And also she had those mannerisms that really showed like she's his granddaughter mm-hmm. and I feel like she was wonderful. Yeah. I, I fully agree. I think she is a, um, a fantastic character and I think she does, she's got like the science quirk that um, Egon is essentially passed down to her and she is like a perfect uh almost embodiment of egon's character Mm -hmm. into this little girl and it's it's fantastic it's such a good portrayal of it and i feel like it could have been so easy to just make her like the really smart character to like an annoying degree yeah and she is that very smart like overly smart kid Mm-hmm. But it's it's always charming, and yeah. it always comes across as genuine rather than like being like annoying and being like, oh, look at how smart she is. She understands science. It yes, it is that. Yeah, but in a, in a way that really f- worked for me and felt really nice. Mm-hmm. I I agree, and even like uh, even Finn Wolfhart's character, Trevor, I think is his name. Mm-hmm. Um, he he's a fun addition. He doesn't get. I feel like he should get more screen time, and his character should get a little more developed. Um, but his his brotherly attitude towards her and his just like it, it's 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 really good and I I think that he I mean I love Finn Wolfhart in almost anything I, I'm biased I I love that man um, but in this I feel like he adds this kind of like uh, his his sister Phoebe is very much tied to the Ghostbuster timeline and he is kind of more exploring the world around mm-hmm. like this town that they're in and the people that are there and so I like the balance of the two a lot. He's definitely sidelined. Yeah. Um, but in a way that didn't fully bother me. Like, I was like, I kind of yeah. want more Finn Wolfhard. But he had his own storyline going on. And once it becomes apparent that McKenna Grace is really the main character of this movie, um, 
I'm I'm fine with having less Finn Wolfhard because I, I really I actually preferred to spend time with McKenna Grace's character. Yeah. And I feel like uh, I've I've liked her for a couple of years now. I've seen her. She's usually played the younger version of other characters. Like she was in Haunting of Hill House. Yeah. She played the young. Who was it? It's Theo, young yeah. Theo. Mm-hmm. And so she's kind of always been sidelined to young versions of the main character, right? Mm-hmm. And so to see her lead a movie and hold it so firmly on her shoulders, I was like, go off. Fantastic. Big career uh, breakout role, mm-hmm. I think, for her. Um, but I do think one thing that didn't really work for me about Finn Wolfhard's storyline was his love interest, who was kind of just like the... I grew up in this small town. You should get out of here. Why would you live here? <laughs> yeah. I live here because I'm fourth generation dirtbag. You know, like it's just, yeah. I don't feel like she was fully developed. Mm-hmm. But what are you going to do? Now here, here's something I thought, I hadn't thought of until about two minutes ago. That, uh, that sadly, the new Ghostbusters has fallen into a very similar trap that the old Ghostbusters also did. The one um, black character of the ghost of the four Ghostbusters gets sidelined once again. This is true. Now it's not as blatantly obvious and bl- or blatant, I guess, is the better word uh, as the original Ghostbusters. Um, but in this one, uh, Finn Wolfhard's love interest, Lucky, um, she does have no character really other than the fact that she's lived in this town and wants to leave yeah um, that's about it that's all you really get to know about her sadly the thing is the difference is we do get a bit of backstory about her she does she has lived here her entire life her father is the police chief we do know that um and she does get screen time and she is a character um is she as developed as i would like her to be not really at all um, could she have been, I don't know, interested maybe a bit more in what's going on in this town that she's lived in for four years? <laughs> Probably. Honestly, I would not be surprised if she was more interested because she's lived in this town for so long. Or not four years, sorry, four generations. Uh, her family has lived in this town. Um, so it's like, yeah, it's just upsetting that she doesn't get as much, um, character development or as much screen time. And I think it's a very much missed opportunity. Yeah. But that leads me into the other side character, who I feel did work very well and actually was developed pretty well. His name is Podcast. My guy Podcast. Here we are on a podcast talking about podcasts. Literally. Second he showed up in the movie, I'm like, this man, this man is me. My spirit yeah. animal here. Uh, but Podcast is this kid who, as you could guess, has a podcast mm-hmm. uh, where he talks about true crime. And he uh, kind of meets McKenna Grace's character and gets caught up with the whole unraveling of of the Ghostbusters storyline at play. Uh-huh. And he is wonderful. I yeah. feel like he's, uh, he's very funny. Almost all of his humor worked pretty, pretty well for me mm-hmm. and got to love a likable kid. Who's just cracking jokes 24 seven in a movie, exactly. especially if he can do it. Uh huh. You know, a good actor has to play this likable kid. And luckily I can't remember his name. Um, but I had seen it earlier and he, he is really enjoyable to watch. Yeah. He is really funny. And like, he doesn't feel like a just like a side character that's there to make quips and funny jokes. He feels like um, his name's Logan Kim. Okay, Logan Kim. Um, yeah. He feels like a genuine character who is just who is there right beside Phoebe through all the crazy stuff that happens. And he's very loyal, and I I love I love his character. He's really funny. Yeah, 
I thought, and when I first seen that there was a character named Podcast, I was like, oh no, <laughs> I feel like this is gonna get called out. Yeah, I was like, this might be bad, but. I actually felt him, he was very likable. Yeah, another character that I do also really want to talk about is my guy, Mr. Gruber, a.k.a. Paul Rudd, Gary the sexiest Gerberson. man alive, uh, Yeah, 2021. GQ. Um, it, honestly, I love Paul Rudd, too. There's so many people in this movie that I love. I know, um, we could do this the whole episode. Yeah, Paul Rudd is the sexiest man alive for this year, and um, he is just great in this movie. He does not take it over he does not do too much too little he is the perfect blend of everything he uh fits into this movie like a flawless puzzle piece and he just brings this funny teacher character to the movie he is he's the teacher at summer school that phoebe's going to which doesn't by the way doesn't make a whole lot of sense that a really smart girl is going to summer school especially right after moving to this town especially after moving to this town I don't know. Anywho. Let it slide. Let it slide. Let it slide. You have a lettuce slide? <laughs> Is that how I said it? Let it slide. Let it slide. Sorry, there's a joke I heard. Um, but um, <laughs> no, he's, he's the teacher at the summer school, and he's a seismologist. So for those of you who don't know, he is a scientist of or a doctor of uh, earthquakes. And so um, he has been studying all the earthquakes that are happening in this town due to the ghost activity. But he's like, it's not volcanic nor tectonic. What is it? Um, and so he does a perfect job at fitting this, uh, just like funny teacher character who helps them kind of figure out what all this stuff in Egon's basement is, find out about the Ghostbusters in the first place, show them the YouTube videos of their old school 1980s ad and them fighting, uh, all the ghosts on top of the, uh, the giant empire or the giant building that they do. It's, it's a great fit because it's like, he that's why i was saying earlier that i feel like paul rudd because Mm -hmm. i know all this nostalgia stuff so if a kid came up to me with a proton pack he was like what's this i'd be like what's this yeah you need to know what this is yeah so he he's a perfect he's a perfect addition to be like oh you guys don't know about the ghostbusters this is the ghostbusters yeah and so he is so good and I would just want to say, I don't know if this is intentional or not, but kudos kudos to the Ghostbusters Afterlife for making this man go to Walmart and pick out fucking Dunkin' Donuts ice cream. Is that what he grabbed? Or Baskin-Robbins Baskin ice cream. Baskin-Robbins. That's what he grabs, and in Ant-Man, he was working at Baskin-Robbins. I don't know if it's intentional or not, but man. It's got to be some sort of nod. Yeah, it's got to be some sort of nod. Does that mean... Does that mean... That this is an alternate timeline of the MCU. There's an alternate timeline of the MCU where the Ghostbusters exist. Gary Gruberson is an Ant-Man variant. Yeah, literally, Gary Gruberson is an Ant-Man variant. And, um, no. <laughs> hit, hit up the Marvel theories. You start going into the multiverse Yeah, and I'm like, damn, wow. If the Ghostbusters actually cross the streams, they might open up <laughs> a rip in Time Space Team. Anyway. But, no, he's he's great, and he's so funny, and I just I love Paul Fred. I feel like he's one of those characters, like you had mentioned, He's a perfect connection to the world yeah. of Ghostbusters. There's all these people experiencing it for the first time, and even though he didn't experience it, he's familiar with it, uh-huh. which is kind of like exactly like us. Exactly. And so I feel like he he make he's the perfect audience surrogate without ever feeling like he's an audience surrogate. You know, he's never yeah. overbearing or anything. Um, he actually kind of there's a period of the movie in the in the third act where he kind of disappears for a little bit. Yeah. And I missed him. I kept thinking, I'm like. Damn, I wish Paul Rudd was here for this third act. Where's Gary? Where's my boy Gary at? But yeah, he's he's just one of those funny teacher characters. He's really good at playing likable teachers. He did it in Perks of Being a Wallflower, too. Mm. 
but he shows the kids Cujo and just lets them do their thing. Yeah. While he does his own thing, and then he gets entangled into the whole mess. Mm-hmm. I feel like you know Paul Rudd is just endlessly likable. Yeah, of course. You could just. He's one of those actors where every time you see him, you're just like, all right, I'm down. Let's yep. spend some time with Paul Rudd. Love it. Um, now, I think my favorite joke, and I think you mentioned this one last night, but I think my favorite joke from the movie is done by Paul Rudd, where he's just looking at one of the crazy, or Zool, or whatever the dog thing <laughs> oh, is. Yeah. And it's in, the, it's in the Walmart, and the dog's looking at him, and he just goes, Hey, and it's boom. He, before he even gets to anything else, he's just like, hey, it chases him. Yeah, it's hilarious. Um, so I, I absolutely loved, loved Paul Rudd in it. Very good, very good. Yeah. And, and I just wanted to talk really quickly about how this is a prime example of making a lovable sequel for both new kids and new fans, but the original fans as well. Mm-hmm. This movie is pretty much entirely made for diehard Ghostbusters fans, and yet... It's kind of accessible. Yeah. You know, there's going to be a lot of kids who, who watch this movie and find themselves caught up in the same thing that their parents did and like Ghostbusters in the same way and mm-hmm. maybe make that a new tradition. So I feel like this is one of those perfect movies that kind of recaptures the same magic all this time later. Yeah. Which is a rare thing. Mm-hmm. No, yeah. It, it definitely is a rare thing because, um, like, we we see it happening um, – in Star Wars these days where uh, the new Star Wars movies are all like callbacks to the old ones and it's all connected to the old ones and it feels like a slog. Like it feels it feels so overdone in those movies. But in this one, it does it in a perfect way in a not too overbearing and crazy way because in my opinion, it's totally because it's not, the plot is not dependent on you knowing who these characters are and understanding that it all centers around them. It really doesn't. It does not center around the original Ghostbusters. It's got the same ghosts and stuff. It's got the same villains. Um, But it doesn't center around these original characters, and they aren't the driving forces of this movie. It is solely the fact that the audience knows who the Ghostbusters are. That is the driving force of this movie. That is all you need. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and with Star Wars, they're just like, oh, the Skywalkers are connected to everything, and everything is about the Skywalkers, and this whole galaxy is centered on the Skywalkers. It's like, no, no an one awfully, cares. An awfully big universe to only be centered on one family. Exactly, and so this is great because it puts us in completely different location, completely different characters, and all that ties it back to the original movie is the Ghostbusters equipment Yes, they're uh, they they've got family ties, but um, it just it's this the idea of the Ghostbusters the the symbol is all that the, you need. You don't need the same characters there again, the classic characters all the time, even though they do show up. Which now leads me into the return of the original Ghostbusters. Yeah, was this a fuck yeah moment for you? Did this work for you? Oh. I saw when Phoebe calls um, uh, uh, Dan Aykroyd on the phone and is like, "When okay, this also brings up the one joke that didn't work for me." Yeah, which I didn't was like this either when they so they get arrested and they get put in jail. Um, and Phoebe's like, "Wait, don't want to get my one phone call?" And the police chief comes up to her and it zooms in on his face and he goes, "Who are you gonna call?" And then she calls the Ghostbusters number. 
Um, it, it was just so obvious and so just like plopped it right in my lap. I was just like, oh, that one was not big that good. moment of fan service where I was like, yeah, no, yeah, did um, not do anything for me. But anywho, she calls the Ghostbusters number and Dan Aykroyd picks up the phone. Um, uh, Stans, I can't remember his first name for some reason, the character anyway. Um, oh, Ray, Ray Stans. Yes, Raymond um, Stans. Ray Stans picks up the phone, and he is just working in this little bookshop in uh, New York still. Um, and Phoebe starts talk, starts to tell him kind of about what's going on, but she doesn't get the chance to finish. And then we get to our final fight, our final big fight, and guess who shows up other than my boy, Venkman, my boy, Stans, my boy, Ernie Hudson. Mm. Mm. They're Winston, all there. Winston pulls up? Winston pulls up. They're all there, and it feels so great because um, they, I mean, they do make classic jokes once again, like the are you a god joke. They make that one, um, which was actually kind of funny, um, but it's just so awesome to see them there again, and it's it's so sad that we don't get Egon as well. We kind of get a ghost version of we Egon do. that does not say anything, mm-hmm. but um, what I wouldn't give to have all four Ghostbusters standing side by side. Uh, I know. Uh, like, R.I.P., man. It's so sad. R.I.P. Harold Ramis. But I, I feel like the return of the Ghostbusters, even though, you know, yeah, it's a little rushed. Yeah, it kind of just plops itself into the middle of the third act. Yeah. But it does so with a big fuck yeah, with a big fist held up and saying, we're back. The whole crowd, I could hear people like wooing and, you know, like yeah. nobody full on like freaked out. I should have started clapping. I was so close to just start being like, yeah. There was a guy in front of me who did it for a second, and then he was like, okay, this isn't going anywhere, and then he stopped. But uh, no, it was a great moment, and it did get a reaction out of the theater. Yeah. To see all of them on side by side again mm-hmm. after all this time, and they're cracking jokes. They're still the same. And like the crazy thing is that we haven't seen the original Ghostbusters since Ghostbusters 2. Like, we haven't seen 1987, them, yeah. I mean, any of the characters together, honestly. Because, like, the actors never got back together for anything, I don't think. No. Um, and so, like, I was watching an interview with Jimmy Kimmel and um, the three Ghostbusters that are still alive, and uh, it was, like, so crazy to see them on stage with each other again and all chatting and like talking about their time as Ghostbusters and then to see them show up in this movie I so good Mm -hmm. like the child in me once again leapt out of my soul and was like yeah insane and Bill Murray is just every time I see Bill Murray I'm like I just get excited I just love seeing Bill Murray and stuff and so it, it was great to see those characters return to the screen one more time um and like yeah, it's just fantastic. Yeah, I'm glad we live in a time where we can see them put on the suits one more time. Yeah. Shoot shoot the proton packs one more time. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that kind of leads me to the next thing which we had just mentioned was the use of CGI ghost Harold Ramis. Yeah. Um, do you feel like it, it's, it's not – I didn't feel it to be disrespectful at all in, no. the, in the case of this particular movie. No, I definitely don't feel it to be disrespectful. I think it's a good use of it. Um because it totally to me it totally makes sense that the smartest person on ghosts uh being egon would um die and come back as a ghost mm-hmm. and like he he does possess like some of the 
light fixtures and stuff and in his old workshop and at times and things like that so it makes total sense that the man who knows the most about the ethereal plane would be able to manipulate it in that way yeah true um so i think it's i think it's perfect and i don't think like it's overdone or anything no, he's there just long enough for you to understand and appreciate what they did, and then he's then he's gone. And the way that they do it too, where Phoebe is holding the proton pack, shooting it, and she's kind of like struggling to hold on to it, and then you just see Egon's hand come around. Mm-hmm. Oh, my heart kind of just like cracked a little bit. I was like, oh my god, feel you. And so good. You know, Harold Ramis, Ghostbusters was near and dear to his heart. He wrote yeah. Ghostbusters one and two, mm-hmm. like he wrote the script, starred in it. So I feel like. You know, it's not my place to decide what Harold Ramis would or wouldn't want. No. But I feel like in the case of this movie, it, it's totally acceptable to honor his legacy. Yeah, exactly. By, by having him on screen. And I know the whole, is it okay to use dead actors by CGIing them in? That's a whole other debate. But I feel like it was done just just enough to appreciate what they were trying to do. And how, like clearly there's a respect and love for who mm-hmm. Harold Ramis is here. I think there's a fine line when it comes to bringing back dead celebrities. Mm-hmm. I think it is acceptable when it is heartfelt and meaningful and necessary. I think it is unacceptable once they start talking. Yeah. Because here's the thing. Those people are dead. Yes, you can still see pictures of them on the internet. Yes, you can watch old interviews of them. But to use their image to continue to make content... Um, to make them act. To make them act. Yeah, it's essentially like puppeteering a dead body, in my opinion. Yeah, it's really, like, really that's, fucked that's up. That's fucked. Um, having them show up or having their picture show up somewhere or things like that and them not say anything, I think that's totally fine. Because yeah. they're, they are, as much as they are a person who uh, who is dead, um, they're, in this case, he was a beloved, he loved the Ghostbusters and he wrote all, like you're saying, he wrote all the original Ghostbusters, like this is his child. Um, and so I totally think it's, it's fine to just have him there in the form that he is in and not speaking. I think it's totally fine to just have him there in the form that he's in and not speaking. And just as a ghost dude, um, I'm going to actually clap for that one second. And yeah, I think it's I think that it's so heartfelt and it was so sweet too when um I thought it was really funny when he's standing by the other Ghostbusters and Venkman goes I was wondering when you were going to show up. Yeah, <laughs> or something like that. Yeah. It it's great. I love it. I can't imagine having to be all them who, you know, having worked with Harold Ramis and then kind of pretending to talk to him in in, in his honor. Mm-hmm. I feel like that that must have been weird as an actor. Oh, definitely. To have definitely. to do that without him. Um, but I think that also could bring us to the end credit scenes, too, because I didn't want to mention these really quickly. Yes, these were good. Um, we had the first end credit scene, which was just a funny little one between Sigourney Weaver and uh, Bill Murray uh, doing that classic like shock test thing that he does in the first Ghostbusters movie. Um, very cute, very sweet, and also... Um, I don't know if this is in the second Ghostbusters movie. I can't remember. But I know that in this one, in IMDb and on Google, too, it said that her character's name, her last name is Venkman. So it means they got married. Oh, really? Yeah. In, in the in the uh, When I looked up her character, it, the last name was Venkman. Very interesting, just a little tidbit that doesn't really get mentioned. But, oh, so cute, so sweet. Yeah, that's interesting. I didn't know that. But then we get to 
the superior the superior end credit scene, which is at the end of the all the final credits. One second, I got a I oh it went away. Sorry, I thought I had to burp. <laughs> Um, where we get to see Ernie Hudson's character just kind of like, or Winston, just talk about like how much he loves the Ghostbusters, essentially. Loved this. Loved this. It was great. It was, it showed him as, so they put his character essentially, um, after he, the Ghostbusters disband, he, it said that he kind of just makes this business for himself. He gets into, uh, like his own entrepreneur business and he just grows it to be this worldwide monopoly and he's making tons of money um and so we get this final end credit scene where we have the actress who played uh the receptionist in the original ghostbusters i can't remember her name um and we have uh winston standing there sitting there talking to each other and winston is just talking about how much he just loved these guys and how much he misses uh bagging ghosts and taking names and all this stuff and then he says, I will always be a Ghostbuster. Yeah, he's like, I, I built this business from the ground up. I am now a successful businessman, but I will always be a Ghostbuster no matter what. Like, mm, yes! I loved this so much because Ernie Hudson has a complicated relationship with the Ghostbusters yeah. franchise. He infamously signed on for a movie that had far more of a character that had fleshed him out and gave him a whole story, and he was there from the beginning of the movie. And by the time we actually got Ghostbusters, he's kind of just a black guy who shows up halfway through the movie to be a fourth member that nobody really cared about. Yeah. Because um, nobody really knew anything about him. And I love the character of of, uh, of Winston. Mm-hmm. And I feel like this was a great scene that was like, hey, man, we are sorry about sidelining you. Mm-hmm. You know, like, yeah, even though it's kind of a post credit scene, it kind of sidelines him. But it lets his character, it gives him just a bit of fleshing out a little bit more of just like, Lo, lo, justice for Winston. Yeah, I, great character who just deserved to have way more substance in the movies. Yeah, totally. Because I love I love Winston in the movies. It's great because it's such a difference from these three scientists and this dude who literally came in off the street just looking for a job. Mm-hmm. He brings this whole other character to it where he's essentially like, "I'm just here to do this job," and Egon's like, "Ah, this the readings on this thing are going off the charts," and he's like. Well, shit, it's it's awesome. I love yeah. I love Winston as a character, and so it's great to see uh, him get like that little in credit scene just to justify and just be like, well, not justify, but just for him to be like, I will always be Ghostbuster. I love this. You yeah. Know? So, and we talked about Ernie Hudson and Winston as a character on our our Ghostbusters episode, which we had yeah. done last Halloween, I believe. Mm-hmm. So you can check that out. Just love that character, and I felt this was just a sweet moment. Where it was just like a little bit of... If we never see him again, it was just some nice closure to his character. Yeah. Um, do you have anything else to really say? I do kind of want to wrap it up by just saying like, is this movie too fan servicey? Absolutely. Yeah. But it's it's sweet and it's charming fan service that worked for me. Mm-hmm. And, and I just had a great time. Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, yes, there's quite a bit of fan service to this movie, but I think it does it well and it... It does it not too heavily to the point where it's overbearing. I think it's teetering the line. Like, if they had just kept hitting us with more Ghostbusters things, I think I would have been like, okay, this is a bit fan servicey. Yeah. Um, but I think it just has the perfect amount, and I did really enjoy it. And if I had to rate this movie, honestly, if I had to rate this movie, I would give it, like, a 4 out of 5. It's a 4 for me as well. Yeah. I think the original Ghostbusters gets a 5 out of 5 for me. 
and this uh, or whatever I ran, read it last time, you can go check that out <laughs> on the old episode. I don't remember. Um, but yeah, this one gets a four out of five for me just because I love this. This this made my childhood uh, scream. This made me want to get a jumpsuit, put on a jumpsuit, hop in the Ecto-1 and like bag some ghosts. I know. I makes ready. me and the boys want to just go out and hunt, hunt some ghosts. Yeah. Do you ever just get in the feeling and get in the mood where you uh, want to go do some busting and it makes you feel good? <laughs> <laughs> Damn it. Ah, I, I knew you'd to. bring it back. Um, yeah, man. I, I can't hate a movie that has a bunch of mini marshmallow men committing genocide. Yeah, on each no, other. that was great. That was awesome. I just good that. stuff. Uh, it doesn't really make any sense for the Stay Puft Marshmallow Men to be back, but you know what? I liked it. I, I it's fan service. Like fan service, saying. Mm-hmm. yeah. Which you know, that is the big criticism towards this movie from what I've seen is that it's it's overbearing with its fan service, and I can agree it's overbearing. I think it's definitely shoving it down your throat. It's just a matter of if that works for you. If, yeah. If you like the fan service that it's shoving down your throat, you're gonna have a good time. If you don't, you're gonna be like, I I hate this. This is so overwhelming. Yeah. Exactly. I, I personally enjoyed it. I, I would rate it a four as well. Mm-hmm. I think this was a, a fun, effective time. And if you have any any nostalgia or love for this franchise or even just want to go see a fun action movie with, with ghosts in it, go check out Ghostbusters Afterlife. Yeah, so I think that's about it for this episode. Uh, if you want to check out our other episodes, such as our Ghostbusters episode where we talk about the first and second Ghostbusters, um, you can check that out on the Dive In Movie Cast, on Spotify, Apple Music, wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can also find us on Instagram I at the Dive In Movie Cast and our individual Instagrams. I'm at Wesley Giffen. I am at Hayden Kudris, and it is the same name on our letterbox. So thank you guys once again for listening. And remember, if somebody asks you if you're a god, just say yes. Just say yes. <laughs>